Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello everyone. We are back. It is the Trash Heap Podcast. It's me, Elliot, joined by Keith over there. Hello, Keith. Howdy. Uh, this is the show where we're out to prove that there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. We're digging through the trash, the garbage. We're getting out old movies that you, you threw away. You threw them away because you don't care. And we're watching them. And sometimes we like them. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So uh, today, uh, Keith, well, first off, Keith, how you doing today? I'm great. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, how are you? Yeah. You know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, the weather's getting nice. I mean, relatively nice, Ooh. which is both I enjoy because it's warm, but also it's very concerning because I know that means that the planet is about to explode. Maybe, who knows? It's unseasonably warm right now, and it feels like the beginning of like a Stephen King story. Like... It was that winter when it was unseasonably hot. That's when everything started. Isn't it normally the reverse, though? It's like it was that winter where it was extra cold. Like Yeah, it's something a, like that, but it's some yeah. kind of weather anomaly. Like, You're just right. sets the tone for things right. being not right. Well, we did have... And it's also kind of funny that it was like we had that deep freeze, right? Where it got down to like 17 degrees consistently for multiple yeah, days. Yeah, set a new and record. It hadn't been that cold... Uh, in the uh, Puget Sound area in like 30 years. Yeah. That yeah, was pretty cool. And and then uh, no snow or, well, we got a little like flurries of snow, but like nothing real. Uh, and then right after that, it's like bumping up to like 57, 58, 60 degrees outside. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't know what type of jacket to wear. Right. How do well, I layer? Get, you, I don't, I don't know. You get, uh, yeah, you get, um, you get dressed up because you were expecting it to be cold, like, because that's, mentally how it should be and then you step outside and you're like oh i'm sweltering yeah i'm, I'm but, like a cold like i walk to the grocery store typically mm-hmm. for some exercise and it's like on the walk down i'm a little cold and then on the walk back up i'm too hot like sweating yeah i don't like that yeah yeah see i don't and i also for me though i'm not a big uh cold weather fan i'm a big summer guy oh summer and fall the winter is is rough you know and i don't mind it necessarily situationally like say like oh let's take a let's go to this cabin you know in the winter time when there's the snow and stuff yeah that's cool you're gonna get bundled up you're gonna sit you know sit around the fireplace and play some board games you know drink some hot toddies great what's a board you game know? that you like you know I don't know I don't really necessarily <laughs> play well hold on gotcha hold, no 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 I don't necessarily play a lot of specific board games like this is one I bust out all the time. But you know what's popular these days with people? They have games, right? Yeah, like all those stupid card games. I hate those. Right. That or like something like it's a board game, but it's not a board game you've ever heard of. It's not like Monopoly. It's it's called like. uh, uh, No, it's one of those board games where you like manage resources. Right. I fucking and stats. I don't like those. Those are so complicated. It takes like six hours to learn just to learn how to like play. If I'm with someone who already knows how to play it cool if i'm supposed to learn it myself fuck off yeah 
if I'm supposed to take out this this fucking like auto car manual from the 80s and try to learn how to play a game, no thanks. Yeah. But you know, I mean, what are some games I could play Scrabble? You know. Oh yeah, Scrabble's uh, Scrabble's that's an good. You know, Scrabble, I enjoy that. Uh, I played Uno for the first time in a long time. That was fine. Yeah, I can. I can. Uh, I'll accept Uno. Um, let me see here. What else we got? Uh, I'll play. Uh, a ch- you know, ch- chess. Chess is fun. You know, it's more of. It's not really. It's more of just a. You know, it's not really like a party game. But that's I more get, of a game for like tragic geniuses. With yeah, or the, just or or old men with bum tickers. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, I'm just talking about the scenario of like, what kind of, what kind? Maybe you're playing Mario Party. I don't care. Oh, video you know, it games. Have to, it doesn't okay. have to be a yeah. It doesn't have to. It's, it could be a board game on the TV, right? That's a scenario where I'm like, I can be okay with the cold. But if I'm just going about my daily life, you know, and have to do things like run errands, go to work, be at home when it's you know in a in an uninsulated apartment. I'm not a fan of, of the wintertime. In fact, there's historically I've planned trips to go somewhere warm <gasps> during the wintertime. What? I can't believe you're a snowbird already. Oh yeah. I've always like, heard of is, snowbirds, but I didn't think I would ever know one personally. If I was if I was a wealthy person, one hundred percent I would have a home in two different places. Wow. Like I I could live around here during like the, you know, you know, late spring summer fall and then the rest of the year i'd be you know somewhere somewhere where it's a little warmer well i know what somebody's getting for christmas in 25 years i was gonna be like are you gonna buy me two houses keith (laughs) (laughs) i mean like right now i would just settle for one but yeah so that's uh that's what i got going on you know weather wise how my, my where i weigh in yeah i like the cold i like being cold and feeling cold and uh seeing my breath and you know wearing a couple coats and maybe some gloves uh i like it real good yeah i gotta work harder to sweat which is pretty cool i like that i like it when it's dry though i don't like uh icy or dirty snow man you ever look at dirty snow and just want to throw up Ugh. i I, it's like one of the most depressing sights in the world yeah it's the worst fresh snow pristine beautiful perfect anything beyond that is just an eyesore (laughs) it just i mean dirty snow just lets you give you even if it's no matter what's making it dirty it just looks like the world has died and decomposed into the snow. It's a tragedy. But yeah, so there we go. Uh, should we we got a movie to talk about though. Yeah, right? let's jump into it. Let's Keith, uh, you get in the old time movie. machine and take a trip back to the year 1995. Are we talking about Face Off? No. Oh wait, that came out in 97. A lot of good movies came out in this period. A lot, a lot, a lot. It was a hell of a time for a film, and I'm not just saying that because I was growing up then. Um, what movie did we? You picked it. What movie was it, Keith? I kind of picked it. Uh, well, you gave me like a list of like four movies that you wanted to do, and told me to pick one, and I just picked one at random. Well, here's the funny bit about this: I had never seen the seminal coming of age film Angus before mm-hmm. in my entire life. I recall the TV spots. And I right. had an awareness of what it was, but I had never watched it. And I thought, well, gee whiz, I've been really like going hard in catching up on a lot of the movies that I missed throughout yeah. the years while I was just watching, you know, like sci fi and horror and action movies. 
Yeah. And so this was just kind of one of those movies that I know a lot of friends who like it. And it's famous for having a really kick-ass soundtrack in, you know, in an era when we don't really have these sort of uh, big recognizable movie soundtracks anymore. Like right. when you're talking about the, the soundtrack format, this movie invariably always comes up. So I was like, well, this could be, this would be a fun one to get around to and see if it still has the goods. Yeah. I'd never seen this before watching it yesterday. Really? As, yeah. I'm kind I mean, of it was surprised. Also, it's a movie that's too, is like I'm, I had awareness of, but not honestly, I don't, don't remember it like the TV spots or anything specifically when it came out. I remember being aware of it like maybe a year or two later mm. when I'd see it on the, like on the shelf at the video store or, you know, yeah, somebody mentioned that they liked it, but it wasn't a huge hit by any stretch of the imagination. I, I just assumed you had seen it because Elliot was a cable boy. Not by not by the uh, mi- not by the mid nineties. I didn't have cable from ninety five on. Oh, yeah. So I was like cable boy in my u in my tender years. Oh, you know. But then when I entered my wonder years, <laughs> I had no cable. Elliot meets world instead of Elliot meets cable television. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. So. Um, well, that's cool. A, f- a first time watch for both of us. Yeah. So Holy this is shit. Angus from 1995, from the director of When Good Ghouls Go Bad. Uh, uh, also, Spaced Invaders. Spaced Invaders, correct. Uh, has an interesting cast. Cast We got Kathy Bates as the mom. A bunch George of heavy C- hitters and then some yeah. nobody. You're right. George C. Scott as uh, the grandpa. James Vanderbeek in his film debut as the bully. Uh, the little weasel kid from American Pie. Lex from Jurassic Park, um, and Leonardo DiCaprio's friend uh, from uh, Entourage as uh, one of the bully's friends. Oh, yeah, Kevin. Uh... Yeah, he's on, like, the Unhappily Ever After. He's, like, the little guy. Yeah, he is Unhappily Ever After. Oh, my God. I've never seen Entourage. I just know that he's on it. Yeah. Um, he's just sort of famous for being, like, Leonardo a Hollywood DiCaprio's guy. friend. He's part of the, what, the, what was it they called him? The Don't make me say the, it. The pussy posse. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, along with Leonardo... Toby Maguire. Yeah, and... you have you have you have Leonardo DiCaprio, Toby Maguire, Lucas Haas, and this guy yeah. as the pussy posse. They make a real strong known. case for like lizard people taking over Hollywood because they all look oh, yeah. like different like insects and, and yes. reptiles. <laughs> Just they all got bug eyes. But that's what they called themselves, or that's what they were called. Well, in they the were 90s. young and had a shitload of money, so yeah. I guess they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. The real all-star mm-hmm. cast. And even though not everyone gets a ton to do, like they really do an incredible job with what that what they have. Even jo- George C. Scott, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to buy this guy as like a calm sort of regular guy family member there's no way this this guy the guy whose eyes are bulging and he's got red crab face in every movie he's in there's yeah. no way and well uh, he's a hell of an actor you know yeah he's he does some acting yeah well that's the thing right and i think this happens with a lot of people right regardless of this type of movie or how they get typecast but someone gets typecast right they get typecast as the guy who yells or they get typecast as the guy who freaks out or they get typecast as the little shy guy or they get typecast as the evil guy or the funny guy and then whenever they do something 
contrary, you know, uh, the opposite of what they're normally typecast as, everyone loses their fucking mind. They're like, wow, Robin Williams is playing a dramatic role or he's playing the villain. Unbelievable. Willem Dafoe is playing like a subdued, quiet character. Yikes. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, these people are actors, right? And if they're good actors, they should be able to play different roles. It's just that everyone who consumes their product and everyone who is in charge of putting them in projects lack imagination. And they're like, well, let's get that guy who does that because he's the only guy who can do that. And let's not let him do anything else because he's the guy who does this. You know. Well, if in defense of whomever, uh, if Robin Williams didn't want to perceived as a wacky off the wall cartoon character. Sure. Maybe he should not acted like it all the time. I mean that's totally fair, and that's just one example. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't understand where typecasting comes from. I'm just saying we shouldn't be so shocked when someone who's very talented in general, you know, uh, like Willem Dafoe or George C. Scott or Christopher Walken, these you know character actors who are known for playing these big characters, do something differently because they are in fact they are talented. So they, you know, it's like. We should be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense that they're able to do that. I you think know? you're you're 100% right, but I think people just like being shocked or sure, pretending yeah. to be shocked because it's fun. You get to, like, make a noise and, like, do a crazy face that you don't normally make with the, you know, with the wide eyes and dropping your jaw and everything. Like, it's just yeah, a yeah. fun reaction to have. And so if you have any opportunity to do it, even if it's forced... I think people just jump at the chance. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. It's just whatever. But yeah, so it's got this cast. It's got everyone in the movie is either famous before, became famous after, or in this, with the exception of the lead, who I've never seen in anything else. Yeah. Uh, the main character of Angus, named after the cow, as the voiceover clearly states. Oh, so yeah, he got his Keith, name from a cow. What is the general premise of this movie? Well, from from what I can ascertain here, the movie Angus is about a giant, brilliant genius kid with the strength of 10 men who goes around beating up anyone that talks bad to him. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a, a violent child monster <laughs> unleashed onto the world with completely untethered, and he's allowed to just rampage through his school unchecked. Right. And then yeah, so we... and then after he's finished destroying everybody and becoming a genius in science specifically he's also a, a reasonably successful high school athlete. He's very good in the football team. What the fuck? This guy has the perfect life. What are we even talking about here? Well, he gets bullied. He's been bullied since he, he was gets a small child. bullied. Since his small child, he was... Look, I have a lot to say about this movie and about its... Uh, hey, about hey, a, Angus. A what? Cope, buddy. Wow. All they well, do he... all they do is say some words to him, and he's like, well, time to whip out the old fist and, like, break somebody's nose. That's true, yes. <laughs> he's a violent monster well, and needs to be stopped. Here's part of the thing of this movie. This movie has a very kind of all-over-the-place tone. Right. So we start with these little flashbacks of watching his childhood, you know, rapidly progressing these montages of, of him. violent blood soaked you know, childhood. <laughs> so he gets bullied for being for being overweight, 
you know, from a very young age. And his response is to smack kids and uh, break their noses. And it's played in a very slapsticky type of way in that little opening montage. But then the movie kind of switches into more serious tones pretty quickly and bounces back and forth between them somewhat unsuccessfully, I, I think. Uh, that kind of undermine a lot of the what the movie's going for. But I think there's a lot of actual problems with this movie. Um, but yeah, it's about this kid who is, yeah, very good at science, very large. Uh, he's, you know, overweight and he is also very physically strong. So he's good on the football team and he's pining after his whole childhood. He's been pining after the, uh, the, the, the cheerleader girl played by Lex from Jurassic Park and uh, battling with the same bully, main bully for the majority of his life played by James Vanderbeek. Um, so that's the initial setup, and he also lives with his mom, and his dad's dead, and he lives with his grandpa, played by George T. Scott, who likes to play chess and has a bum ticker. Do they ever explicitly point out that his dad has passed away, or is his dad just not there? So his dad is just not there, but it kind of, it, it heavily alludes to, I think, his dad just being dead. You know? I mean, yeah, you can assume that, but I was, that's what I, by the end of the movie, I was like kind of looking back and I was like, wait a second, did I, did I get up and like get a drink or like do something when they explicitly dropped that in or did they just kind of like leave it up to you to notice? Right. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I'm, I definitely have, the, now looking back, I'm trying to remember, like I definitely have the impression that the father is dead. But I don't know if they specifically say it or imply it or I just assumed because they didn't say anything about him being alive but not in the picture, you know, because normally a lot of times and stuff where like the dad is alive but not present, uh, like absentee, they'll reference it somehow. They'll say like, oh, uh, did did your dad call you on his birthday? He goes, no, he, uh, he called me a week late or, you know, or like, oh, dad's in in mexico with cheryl you know something like that yeah or even uh, just the, a voiceover narration will you know point it out like in uh, or in gentlemen broncos for example right we did an episode on that yeah the the dead dad is like a central kind of piece of inspiration for the main character so it's they get get kind of referenced quite a bit yeah but here i'm glad the dad is dead because in his place we get uh, Kathy Bates yeah as a truck driving mom who is I don't know like y- y- you see this as sort of like oh it's weird that his mom is a truck driver and like talks in like CB radio talk but she's really charming and friendly and uh, I don't know that seems pretty cool that's a good stable job well I mean talk- of- if we're just talking about good actors and selling it I mean Kathy Bates they don't get much better than you know you're looking at actors they don't get much better than kathy bates you know i mean just someone who has probably is underappreciated for just for i mean i believe she's also oscar nominated or at least oscar winning she's pretty you know, fucking for, prolific yeah but i mean just like of just being able to uh slide between different types of roles pretty effortlessly uh and 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 subtly you know, like I've never watched something with Kathy Bates and not believed it. You know, even the Water Boy. Well, 
I believe that she was doing what she was supposed to be doing for a ridiculous over the top slapstick Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Um so yeah, she was she was filling the shoes she needed to fill. So yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna you know, it's I'm I'm not gonna blame the mo- like the fact that that movie kinda sucks on the fact that her performance, you know. Yeah. But okay, but so that's a premise. These are the actors. We touched a little bit on some of the, you know, kind of weird tonal things. Keith, what did you think about this movie? How how did you react to it? Did you like it? First impressions. I had a lot of fun with it, actually. I it really like harkened me back to a time when movies had main characters doing narration about their lives and yeah. like filling in kind of the world, uh, a, a very recognizable world. And then not everything was a montage, right? But when you got one, it was pretty fun. And then you had uh, great uh, music, just uh, creating transitions between scenes. And uh, everybody kind of like, I don't want to say they were painted in broad strokes, but everyone had their their sort of deal, right? You had the big kind of mopey, angry kid. You had a, a big mouth little guy. You had a, uh, you know, an attractive, seemingly a, a person who looks like on the outside they have it all, but on the inside they're, you know, keeping secrets and then just kind of quirky surrounding characters who are like, man, kids these days don't know how hard it really is. And I don't know. It had lots of, to me, it had lots of great stuff and was a lot of fun. And it was also really well made for what is clearly targeted at kids. I mean, I wasn't, that was one thing I was confused. I was about, it was like, who, who is the target audience of this? Cause it sometimes it feels like very, like very, young kitty you know and then at that then but then there's also like lots to talk about like boners and there's you know an f word thrown in there and you know uh it's you know it's like what what i was sometimes confused like who the target audience was supposed to be for this movie that well and that's why i i thought it was actually really well done because it's normally when you get a high school movie it feels like it's kind of targeted at college kids almost but but this was like this was a high school movie where the kids were like underclassmen. And so you get like, it like really like gravitates between like middle school and high school. And I think that's good. And it also goes over, over your head a little bit with some more like serious ideas and themes. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to reach a little bit, uh, a little bit out of your comfort zone on it. Well, I can say though, um, I see everything. I, I see all the points you're you're pointing out. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of this. Um, I wasn't actively bored by it. Uh, there's parts I enjoyed, but I did feel it was pretty disjointed. And I'm trying to be objective and saying like, oh, maybe it's somewhat of a product of its time and and all and whatnot and uh, and whatnot. But it has some tropes that have always frustrated me, even at the time that it came out and that is that angus his whole plight is being treated differently than how you know because of how he looks you know of of uh you know it's like oh like people judge me because i'm big i you know i'm big for my age and i'm overweight and 
XYZ and you know I've come from a weird family blah 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 but then his he he completely pines after from childhood after the the most conventionally attractive girl in school right um and values her based on solely on her beauty while simultaneously wanted wanted people to look past his physical appearance and appreciate him for who he is right and yeah you do get that thing at the end of it where like she's talking they're talking to each other and you find out that she is you know that she's has a lot of insecurities and is nervous all the time and is bulimic and stuff but those are her pretty much her first lines in the entire movie you know so she has solely been an object of physical beauty up until this and it's a very like kind of a it's a message that is like one contrary to each other that it's like, Oh, appreciate me for who I am while I'm only acknowledge only admiring you because of your physical beauty. And there's no real like reconciliation with those uh, two different opposing ideas. And also that's just within this movie itself, but how it speaks on a broader sense of these types of movies. This is a trope that exists within movies where you have a nerdy guy or a physically, you know, a non-conventionally attractive guy who's like, you know, has something where he's like, oh, I have a big nose or I'm overweight or all these things. Or I'm short. All these conventional uh, ideas of beauty doesn't fit into that mold. Pining after a very beautiful, conventionally beautiful girl. If you churn that, if you, whenever the gender roles are reversed and it's the hot guy and the nerdy girl, one in the, in, in the nerdy guy and hot girl the nerdy girl always starts to appreciate the guy for his personality by the end of the movie, right? When it's reversed and it's the hot guy and the nerdy girl, the girl was always hot. She just needed to take her glasses off. And that's when the, uh, that's when the dude starts to like her. So it perpetuates this idea that men should be accepted for who they are and women should be accepted because they're hot. I have never felt more excited to just completely skewer whatever point you were making. <laughs> oh, go for it, bud. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I, I, think, uh, I think you make some interesting points, and I think you're correct, but I also viewed this as, like, Angus is a little bit more complex because I was mad at him, like, from the jump. I don't really yeah. sort of have a lot of empathy for big guys who can beat the shit out of their their antagonizers right he immediately had a advantage over his oppressors he had physical strength he had size and he was smarter than they were right and his solution to uh them talking shit was to crush their faces Mm -hmm. so already as a little guy i was like oh i don't i don't like you you represent my oppressors right right so i was not on angus's side you are a little guy, Keith, but you are also a certified hottie. So yeah, I'm a yeah ten out of ten smoke show. Uh, so I mean, it's like I understand that too. Like when we, I'm talking about this, both of us certified hotties. Yeah, we're you know maybe we're not seeing it solely from Angus's point of view, but still, I find issues with them, some of the tropes. Oh, for sure. But also, so Angus, as as we get to know him more through his narration and seeing him at school, and specifically as he's older. There are two sides to Angus. There are the kind of outward things that the student body at large antagonizes him about. 
Right. And then there's the things that he wrestles with internally that he sort of others himself with. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's in in a sense, he's alienating himself through his own kind of insecurities and feelings about things. And then outwardly, there's, you know, kind of the obvious stuff like him being fat and like sweating all the time, like everyone that can see that stuff and is pointing out. Right. Right. So he's his own worst enemy, even though he like if on paper you look at him, he's successful. He's smart. He's uh, an a- like a student athlete, and like he's got his little best friend. He's got a a wonderful supportive family at home. Like he doesn't really like he goes home and is agitated at dinner and complains, and he doesn't really have that much to complain about, to be honest. Uh-huh. Like he's kind of making a mountain out of a molehill, and we get that that development as the grandpa uh, over time is like you know, you don't really understand like what you're working with and what your life is all about. Like you need to screw your head on straight. And that mm-hmm. is true. Yeah, and you're I'm... right. You're right also about the the cheerleader character being the sort of totally mute like trophy, right? right. Everyone is like lusting after her because she's the conventionally attractive girl and she doesn't have any lines. She doesn't get to talk. She just gets that sort of that typical treatment that you would expect she's not treated like a person she's put on this pedestal as some kind of award for achievement and then when you finally do get her talking when you finally do learn something about her it's kind of tragic and upsetting and you're like wow this is a person who by every outward account should be perfect and they're not they're they're suffering inside uh, just like everybody else. And it's by that point, after Angus has sort of gone through th- all these trials and tribulations and made all these mistakes and like fallen on his head and kind of been humbled, that he realizes that and kind of sees her now as a real person. Kind of. I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, I think, because here's what I will also say to, to this is like, I also know that this is a real thing, you know, where it's like, I don't ha- I lack self-confidence. I don't find I'm not attractive. I'm this, I'm that, but I'm, you know, I want what everybody else in my eyes gets. And I, yeah, want the grass is always greener. The, I want to be with the beautiful girl, even though I'm not, I understand that those are real emotions that people have. Right. And, you know, even like there's a line where Angus is talking to his grandpa. He goes like, I know she's not going to like want to be my boy, my, my girlfriend or anything. I just want my shot, you know? I get all that. It's more about the overall execution because I do think there's these little pockets of something better going on, right? And you do, yeah, obviously you could do, you could construct it where she's the trophy and everyone treats her like the trophy and then you find out no, she's not a trophy, she's a real human. Angus has that realization. But it's kind of like when that finally happens, it's so tacked on and he's still kind of... He's still kind of like his reward for his, you know, going through all these tribulations is getting to dance with her. Right. Yeah. And it's still, it's kind of like, well, I've wanted to dance with her cause she's hot and now I'm dancing with her and she's a real person. Um, but that's all kind of secondary. It's, it's secondary. It's maybe it's trying to do two complex of things in a movie that's just kind of hitting these like classic coming of age, like paint by numbers, uh, story beats. I don't know, but it's like it doesn't gel into something that is as poignant as it's trying to be. Like I was thinking while watching it, you know, in some some respects, it kind of has the tone of a more grounded in reality episode of Pete and Pete, you know, 
<laughs> like that show from the 90s you know it's just you take out Artie and like the kid with tattoos and all that stuff and ha- but it still kind of had like that kind of vibe right but i think in 22 a 22 minute episode of pete and pete kind of would hit on some of these same topics a little bit more poignantly this entire than this entire movie did yeah and you know at the same time i understand how why some people would connect with this story particularly if you saw it when you were you know 14 15 16 you know and I'm also not going to pretend in life that physical attraction to another person isn't an important part of, you know, how we go about the people we date, you know, into marry, spend our lives with, whatever. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's just a reality that, like, you know, you're out and you're like, oh, that girl's cute. That guy's cute. Like, maybe I should talk to them or, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it's all about... That, and then I operate like, I only am into the mind. Like, of course not, you know, but I'm just saying how this movie presents it and how a lot of these movies presented it is just like, accept me for who I am while I value solely, but I, but I, but I want to date you because you're hot. Well, and that's, that's such an interesting thing because it, it, these types of movies really do, they paint their protagonist as sort of this folk hero of like, I am right. like perfect and wonderful just the way I am and everyone should accept me. It's the same with like Revenge of the Nerds and like, yeah, I don't know what else. But I think in this case, and this is something I noticed kind of as I was like wrestling with like my reactions to the movie is that Angus is actually isn't perfect. And that's right. like that's what we want to land on is like he's not perfect. That's okay. Like none of these people are. And right. if you got to know them in depth, like you would find out that none of them are. But we get to watch Angus make those mistakes and like be kind of like an asshole to his friend and be kind of a a selfish prick and be as superficial right. as other people would be and disrespectful to his grandpa and yeah, you know, like you get to see yes. him do all this stuff. And that's where I was like, that's I was sort of measuring this against kind of the 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 high regard that people hold this movie in, and then reconciling that with my own feelings. And I was like, well, this is what I like about it. Like, yeah, some of the I think a lot of the side characters and things like that weren't really fully fleshed out, but just in terms of Angus's character, we're seeing him kind of blow it and. And we're seeing him in all of his flawed states and moments. And so we don't have to view him as this, like, wow, Angus is the fucking coolest and the best. And, like, everyone should love him. Like, I didn't feel that way. But I was rooting for him to, by the end, to get some kind of a victory. And I thought the, the, actually, the, the ending ending was kind of blew it. And I didn't really like it. It was a little too like the guy gets the girl, right? Kind of bullshit. Like that's what I'm saying. Like there could be reconcilization of like him coming to these realizations that like, oh, she's a real person. She's not just this figure that I have. uh, Um, well, it's like it's kind of like in that like when like uh, there's that scene earlier in the movie where he's hanging out with his weasel friend and he's like trying to dance with the blow up doll to learn how to dance because he's gonna. because they've both been like there's a some not to get into the whole plot details but like there has been like something that's happened so that the he's going to dance with her at like the homecoming dance like that's like a preordained thing so he's trying to learn to dance and his friend is like oh like check her out she's hot and he goes 
And he goes, he's more than hot. She's more than hot. And he goes, oh, what do you like about her? That she gets good grades? And she goes, she's beautiful. So it's like even that he has an opportunity to be like, no, I like her. I've always liked her because I thought she was cool. She was nice to me, you know, X, Y, Z, you know. But it's no, it's like, no, she's more than hot. She's also beautiful. And then that reconciliation at the end doesn't really see, sink in. You know, it's just like everything works out for Angus. He was right all along. And then the bully, and James Vanderbeek, I think, is very good as the bully. He's but fantastic. He's, he is so one-dimensional, which can totally work in the right type of movie. But in this scenario where it's about, like, learning about other people and learning about their insecurities, obviously people who are bullies like that are lacking something, right? They're insecure themselves, or they were a victim of that from their father, and that's how the only way they know to to express themselves. But- yeah, I actually wish there was a little bit more fleshed out with his character because you get these like very subtle flourishes of like he doesn't like Angus because of some dumb things. And I, re- I recall like encountering these situations and, and observing these situations growing up where people would bully other people just because they couldn't understand it. They couldn't sort of right. wrap their head around it. It's like, oh, this happened to you or you have like a, a disability that makes me uncomfortable or like I don't like the way your family is. Like it was something that just bothered them and they couldn't process it. But it is like it's too subtle the way Angus clearly makes him feel insecure because they're on the same fucking football team. And right. like nine times out of 10, like if you help that, that other player make plays and whatever, like eventually you'll at least come to some common ground and like get along. Like it's, right. you it's may not pretty be friends, rare. Like but you're not going to be enemies like that. Yeah. Or like the yeah. way he's like, he's like kind of a, he's a glory hog. Like mm-hmm. actually that scene really bothered me. Cause Angus was like t- doing narration over this football game. And he makes some two like very big plays, like important yeah. plays. And then, um, but the quarterback catches the football and uh, makes the touchdown, which right. wins the game. So, like, it is that is the hero moment, and he kind of deserved that glory. But, like, Angus was like, grumble, grumble, what about my two plays, and why can't I be the hero? And I was like, shut up, Angus, you piece well, of so shit. This, but the bully is clearly threatened and right. insecure based on, you know, Angus's uh, abilities. And this is where this, this movie, I think, would work better if it addressed things in in a less like kind of like fairy tale aspect because insecurity and it goes beyond just like you said earlier, like Angus can beat up any one of the kids who bullies him. He can do all these things, blah, 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 blah. You know, well, that has nothing to do with how insecure you are just because you are physically strong and can do something that doesn't necessarily mean that you have confidence. Right. And same with, uh, you know, the, I can't remember the name of the character that Lex from Jurassic Park plays, but the cheerleader character that he likes. Um, you know, she's like the, oh, the most popular girl in school and super pretty and blah, blah, blah. But she also is always worried about fucking up and is bulimic. Um, you know, and James Vanderbeek might be the popular football player, but maybe in his life he's, he's insecure and stuff. If it leaned into these ideas, right? And maybe if Angus was had a crush on a girl that he was nervous about talking about, not because she was the prettiest girl in school, but just because he lacked confidence, right? Right? She doesn't have to be the beauty the 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 beauty queen, right? It could be anybody. It could be another it could be someone who's overweight like like him. And he could be saying like, 
oh, she's so cool and so pretty. She'd never, she'd never talk to a loser like me, even though they ha- outwardly and inwardly they have a ton of shit in common, you know? Like, doing things like that. And I'm not saying, like, that's the way you have to portray it. I'm just saying with a little bit more nuance beyond just, like, pretty girl good, bully bad, Angus heart of gold, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, and you are right, too, that, like, Angus is, as an individual, portrayed with a little bit more nuance. You know, he is rude to his, you know, his his grandpa and mean to him and, you know, can be a dick to his best friend. But then the rest of the, most of the rest of the world is just so one-dimensional that it doesn't jive. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think you're right, too. Like, the real, the, it is stuck too much to the, like, the fairy tale right structure and if it would have been like kind of a little more off center and kind of real world uh i think it could have been like a real a real banger but i think overall it really does it resonates with people because there is so much about it that people identify with right like the the non-traditional family structure like being overweight like sweating too much like uh, ostracized for being too quote unquote too smart right or too this or too that like too little too what you know all that kind of stuff well you know what and you're absolutely right too and maybe I've really like laid into this movie because of this one specific trope that really gets on my nerves you've forgotten what it's like to be a kid well no I haven't just that I mean like yeah <laughs> I was a, like a very like gangly awkward kid so I do get it you know I get like I said at the beginning of this conversation, like maybe if I had seen this when I was 14, 15 or 16, it might've resonated with me more. And looking back at it now, I'd be like, yeah, it's got some issues, but boy, did it really like connect at the right time. You know, I understand why someone might be really into this movie. And I also don't think this movie was boring. You know, like I watched it. I, you know, I had a perfectly fine time watching it. It's just maybe because the potential is there for it to be so much better and it falls back on these kind of like lazy and at times problematic tropes of these types of stories. And I say problematic, I don't mean they're like problematic the way like... You mean they're not functioning correctly. Right. It's it's (laughs) well-intentioned, you know. Yeah. And not, not, and not mean, and not, it's not coming from a mean-spirited place well intentions or not you know it's just like there's some issues there yeah it didn't quite Um, land and like i said like the ending for me really like i liked it is sweet you know like he's walking uh angus is walking the cheerleader home and you know they share a moment and then i would have much rather liked to have seen a shot continuing with him as he walks off kind of like feeling good about himself but instead we freeze frame on the cheerleader's silhouette, like standing in yeah. the window of her house. Right. And I was like, what? Right. And like, maybe that's nitpicking, but it really like stuck. It's like the last thing you see in a movie uh, before the, the credits roll. And like, I don't know. I think we really could have had something like a real like banger exclamation point right. to kind of top everything off. And it was just like pretty flat. It's frustrating because it does like take all these more complex ideas and juggles them, just juggles them unsuccessfully at the end of the not, not or not totally successfully at the end of the day, and misses that mark. 
at the same time, I mean, like, there's not a lot of movies where a character like Angus is the protagonist, you know, so... Exactly. Credit where credit is due. Even though I'm saying we have seen this trope, this this trope is a common trope of this, like, I'm the nerd, nerd guy, I'm this the guy, I'm the unattractive guy, but hot girl should like me because I'm, I'm sweet. We have seen that before, but it's usually not, it's usually portrayed by, uh, in a slightly different light and like... It's usually a skinny person. It's usually a skinny person, like, yeah, a nerdy person, not yeah. a, oh, yeah. not an overweight person. You know, it's usually like, yeah, someone who's a little dorky, like a, like a Seth Green type of character, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there, I can't, I don't think there's actually a movie with him like that, but like, yeah, something like that. No, but that. it is usually these people who, that if, if you take off their glasses, redo right. their hair and change their outfit, all of a sudden they're a completely different person. Right. Like I, I mentioned Revenge of the Nerds before. Booger is arguably the biggest kind of like outsider character on that roster because mm-hmm. he's kind of like a schlubby dirtbag. Like, right. He's he really is kind of different, and even if you tried to like gussy him up, he would still have like the stink lines coming off of him, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I liked also... I liked that Angus was like it was really like back and forth. Like he has opportunities in front of him. He is good at football. Like he has a reputation and like is known for like what he can do on the football field. That was right. kind of like very surprising to me. That he wasn't, like, totally, like, helpless and, like, doing nothing with his... Like, he was kind of soldiering through his his life uh, unhappy, but he's not totally, like, just stuck. And then he also has an opportunity to go to this this special, like, science school. And hilariously, he turns it down to stay in normal high school to prove a point based on something his grandfather that that really bothered me because he's like he's like because he says that point like earlier on he's like i want to go to a school where like i'm not people don't look at me just because i am who i am right you know look at me weird just because i am who i am but then they're like yeah just to prove a point he doesn't go to this much better school yeah where he has a huge opportunity right you know that and it's like and in terms about him being like on football team and being really successful i mean like i think i mean i certainly knew people who were good at certain sports uh just solely because they were big you know they were like a stopping power and people kind of like you know they might people still kind of treated them like they were like you know they might have been like accepted but the, the person who was accepted uh but still on like the lower rung, you know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah, there was definitely know, levels, yeah. Like, this is our idiot friend who's who's a big fatty, rather yeah. than, like, rather than get away from get away from us fatty, you know? Well, that's it, too. Like, man, if I th- if we really go back and look at that stuff, like, you really did, like, kids are so stupid, and they do accept people on these different levels. It's like, oh, we accept that guy because he's the funny one and, like, the clown, right? right? He entertains right. us, so we'll, like will allow it but we don't like all exactly. this other stuff you know we we didn't like we were so superficial and shallow and half of it is because of you know how young and stupid and inexperienced you are but the other half is man kids are just they're shit and right <laughs> eventually with the gift of time and perspective you learn how to not be shit but right 
and that's why it felt good to have friends who like bond, you bond over common interests and things that you get excited about yeah. so that you don't i don't know it just seemed like all of the the extra social groups like really had those type of dynamics at work and it was just kind of like ugh. and i think the movie does hit on a lot of those dynamics successfully i don't know but it's just like even beyond like just talking about in the movie you know, like, I'm sure you know, known plenty of guys like this, but just kind of like schlubby dudes who like either, you know, like maybe they don't like they dress like slobs or they don't have the best hygiene or like, you know, they're out of shape. They're this and they're that. Go only go after like the most con- conventionally hot girls. Right. Yeah. And think and then they're like and then get pissed off when those those girls aren't into them. And it's just like, it's like, so you were valuing someone solely based off on their appearance and are frustrated that you, who doesn't take care of their appearance, isn't landing them, right? If that is your value system, why do you expect someone else to have a different value system? Well, right. And that's just like, what is that? That's the the sort of self-victimization of like the loser right. kind of identity, right? Is you right. sort of, you could create a hell in a prison of your own design by, yeah. you know, having those expectations. I feel like maybe the best sort of piece of business in the entire movie is that little exchange between uh, George C. Scott and Kathy Bates, where mm-hmm. he says something along the lines of like, you know, you don't toughen him up or you, you do something, but she talks about like, she's like, you don't understand how he's treated by those people right. at his school. She's like, I didn't either because he doesn't tell me. I had to find this stuff out on my own that, you know, they pranked him with the dance and they put his uh, underwear on the flagpole and all this stuff. And, like, you have no idea what he endures. And he still gets up and goes back to that school every single day. That's a great scene. It is a really great scene because then George C. Scott has that realization. He's like, oh, I didn't know that either. Like, he yeah. never told me any of that. And then, like, following that, he has that, like, little talk with Angus where he goes, Superman isn't brave because he's invincible. People like you are brave, right? Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah, I guess, like, I don't know. This movie is a mixed bag, and I would, I'm not telling people that they shouldn't see it. It was just right out of the gates. I was like, oh, is this the direction we're going with this, <laughs> with this, like, quote unquote, I was not even a romance, but like, de- desire. Uh, you know, of of an, of another person, and I was like, "Yep, it's doing it, it's doing it, it's doing it, still doing it." And then, like at the end, you get like a glimpse of like, "Oh no, she's a person too," but it's just so like tacked on. Well, that's where I wish it would have just ended at the dance after his big speech. Yeah, and I think we would have been in a much better place because the speech is really the point of the movie, right? And. Yeah, everything else is just, like, movie nonsense. I had a good time with it. I gave it, I think I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. I took away half a star because of that stupid final shot. But I think overall, like, I liked it a lot. And I liked the music. And I liked liked the montage when they're getting Angus ready for the dance. And they're playing Mm -hmm. air guitar and trying different hairstyles and all that stuff. And... I liked the that one kid's room where it has the uh, the vertical blinds with the black light paint 
and it's a bunch mm. of like slogan. It says like "No fear" in giant yeah. letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like E equals MC. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, it's there's a lot of yeah. It's a good movie. I'd probably give it a solid three stars. It's a good slice of life. But you all saw all the comments on Instagram, buddy. Like this movie changed people's lives. We're get, you're gonna right. get so much heat for this. <laughs> Whatever, bring it on. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, no, I, I get it. Like, particularly, like I said, you see it when you're younger, you see it when you're an awkward dude. Well, right, you you, you know. internalize the stuff that really does matter, and you just for you don't care about the rest. Right. Watching you know, it now for the first time as adult men, like, it's a completely different yeah. ball game. Like, we right. have to really like reach back to remember what that was like. We've been adults now longer than we've been children. I mean, although I will say though, too, at the same time, like. That was kind of always an, like something that's even as a kid, you know, when I would be like, I was scared to talk to girls, period. Like, regardless, oh, yeah. you know, just like I was awkward. I was weird. Like, I wouldn't talk to anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, regardless of like social standing or whatever, you know, that was, you know, so I get that. But then you would be guys who would make an effort towards, you know, like the super, you know, like popular conventional hot girl and get frustrated from rejection and i'd be like well why are you going after her you know like yeah you're a weirdo and you're like and and you're 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 short and you're stocky and like if you're basing your you, you guys don't have anything in common so i know you're basing it on the fact that she's pretty and popular you're just doing it because you think you're supposed to right like it's a delusion i mean it's like if you have enough confidence to go talk to girl go talk to that girl over there who like is more quote unquote in your league, you know? Yeah. But also someone you would more like actually relate to and have exactly. a connection with. Like that's really what it exactly. boils so down to. So it's just kind of like, but I mean that I, what you're getting at now is like just a human condition. Sure. Absolutely. Right? It's the, 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 the foibles of uh, relationships and, and relating to one another. And like people struggle with that as adults you know yeah. still like it for a lot of people it never goes away right or it gets worse yeah totally i mean like but i'm saying like even as a young person that was a notion that was in my head i may feel more strongly about it now yeah you know because i now i understand that it's not just about like well why are you doing that that doesn't make any sense like you know like you want this person to accept you for who you are but you're only being you only interested in them because they're hot like that's not going to work like you know that logic just doesn't add up. So now it's go, but for me now it goes beyond more about the logic, but more about the objectification, yeah. you know, of an entire group of people, yeah, you know, or entire, you know, entire an entire sex. Man, I just so, I remember just always I didn't really understand infatuation. Like I remember trying to kind of process it, and it was just based yeah. on the ideas that were kind of told to me by other people. Yeah. And then when I finally started to experience it for myself, I realized like later on that it was just the infatuation of the idea of a person. Sure. Like totally, I would learn yeah. these things about someone and then I would create this idea in my mind about them without really understanding it myself. Right. And I'm not going to also I'm not claiming that I have never like objectified somebody or you know, 
You're doing uh, it to me right now. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> or like you the same thing, like created a notion of what somebody is in my mind. You know, all, of course I've done all those things because that's just human, right? Yeah. I, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, and that's why I'm saying like these same things could happen in this movie depending on how they play out, right? These are all, hu- everything that happens in these movies is humans, but it's like, uh, it's just the presentation of like, yes, good, bad, yes, fine, this, that, oh yeah. Angus hero, blah, 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 girl for him. But yeah, oh, before we get out of here, what did you think of the soundtrack? Because I mentioned that earlier and it's really important. And I would put it right up there with the iconic soundtracks of the day, The Crow, uh, Judgment Night, Clueless, etc. It's not really music that I listened to, but I think, was, I, I think it was I think it was highly, <laughs> highly appropriate. <laughs> to the fu- to to the movie at hand. All right, cool. Right. See, a good soundtrack is not necessarily music you like. A good soundtrack is a movie that fits what you're watching. And there's even been times where I've watched a movie and I'm like, "Oh, that soundtrack is great." And then you listen to the isolated soundtrack and you're like, "I don't like any of these songs." Oh, sure. Yeah, you know? I I definitely agree. Um, I think in this so, case, it, it checks both boxes for me. Right. Well, yeah, obviously, I was like, I was like, oh, Keith is gonna love this when I was watching it. But yeah, so yeah, would still recommend with these caveats. I wish maybe if so, you know, if I had known, if I had listened to this podcast as someone else, you know, or someone else had recorded this podcast with the same conversation, and I had heard these things going into the movie, and I knew that this was something that might get under my skin. I th- in advance, I think I could probably watch this movie and appreciate it a little bit more, you know, for where it does succeed. Would you show this to a child if a child was like, show me a movie, Papa Elliot? Well, I also wouldn't not show it to a child, but I wouldn't be like, because I don't necessarily believe in like, oh, this is not appropriate for kids or this or that. But I would say that to me, something like this, the way it portrays some of these themes could be could be worse than a movie that's really violent, you know, in terms of like objectifying people, or at least I would have a conversation about with the kid afterwards about how what that means, you know. What's a um, movie that you would would you think is similar but would be better instead? RoboCop. Oh my god. Uh, maybe like Rushmore. Oh. <laughs> because it's the same thing. It's a nerdy kid. <laughs> His, his, I think that's a great choice, actually. <laughs> because and he has an infatuation with someone who's never going to happen as teacher, right? No, and, and he, solely that, that the consequences so, of that infatuation slap him in the face, right? He he, he and, learns cut and dry. There is no yeah. no ambiguity about <laughs> right. And then at the end, the girl he ends up with is a girl who he normally initially was like kind of like, whatever. You're just a kid, yeah, right. But it's like, no, and so are you, and you guys are actually very similar and, you know, like fall into the same categories of like attainability, X, Y, Z. Like, I think that's a movie that tackles a lot of this, a lot of, I mean, obviously it's not a one-to-one comparison. No, not at all. Max Fisher is, once we get, he's like, he's the nerd, you know, Um, but he's the highly successful nerd and, uh, but he is insecure. He comes from a non-conventional family. Right. He unit. lies about like, what his family does and, you know, like yeah. his, what, his, what his dad does for a living, X, Y, Z. Sure. Absolutely. Um, 
but I think, yeah, I think that with that one, like it has a lot of the same things going on with, like you said, the real world consequences of just like, oh yeah, if you do this, it's going to slap you back in the face or like, oh, women are people too. And it's just because, just because you like them doesn't mean they owe you anything. Well, when you he know? gets to learn that directly from an adult woman also, right. not a, you know, a younger woman who might not know exactly how to like navigate that or like get him to understand and like prove that point but well and an also, adult woman sure as shit knows how to do that right also like look at the uh we just watched um bottoms right sure did and there's some similar stuff going on in bottoms right and there's two girls uh who are lesbians pining after two of the hot popular girls right right and it works out for one of them and for the other one, she goes into like kiss the other one, and the other one goes like, "Oh, I thought we were just friends. I'm straight, X Y Z." And it's the same. And obviously, the dynamics are a little bit different because it's gender dynamics in society and whatnot, and and sexual orientation dynamics. But you know, she goes, "Oh, I'm straight," and it's just like, "Oh, right. Just because I like you doesn't mean that, or I find you attractive doesn't mean that." you owe anything to me yeah or that this is yeah we're on the same wavelength like this is 100 percent one-sided until yeah so i think it it does some of the same stuff of those kind of like pining after the you know hot popular person more successfully than than this movie does yeah um well regardless we got to give a shout out to the guy who played angus bethune yeah because this movie did have a huge impact on, you know, kids growing up, obviously. Yes. Like, it is a, yeah. a pretty culturally oh, I significant... I know people who this was very big to them, and I completely understand why. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not, like, you know... But this kid uh, who played Angus didn't really do much else and is very popular online and at uh, conventions and things oh, like that. that. Like, people are really stoked. And he is a very... Seems like a very cool guy and is stoked to attend those shows and talk to people and celebrate this role that uh, made a, a, a big deal to a lot of people. So that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. I don't know what his name is, but uh, whoever you are. <laughs> his name is Mangus. <laughs> no way. No, it's not. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds like I just completely reamed this movie and ripped it a new one, but... I, I there were just some things that that I situation wanted to add to the conversation, but overall, I do think it's a you know a charming little movie for the most part, and uh, I would say yeah, give it a watch. He Perry Anzalotti is the tuxedo salesman. <laughs> okay. Who plays Angus? I just assumed that the top credit would be to Angus, but it's not. Oh, Charlie Talbert as oh, Angus Bethune. Charlie Talbert. Man, he, he, I'm looking at a picture of him today. He looks like he's 65 years old. Yeah, and he is. No, he's not. Oh. He's like 45. Well, hey, buddy. People age differently. That's true. Um, and that wasn't a criticism, just a statement of fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Um, like we've been saying, rounding up on a coming up on 100 episodes this one's 98 i think yeah that's correct we got two more one more before we hit the big hundo mark so there you go uh we'll talk see you guys soon thanks for listening and keith what do you always say i can't dance my limbs are lethal weapons 
innocent people got hurt trying to teach me to dance. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.